Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy Decoy by Duckhorn. Elevate your occasion. This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. Today I'm speaking with Russ Axelrod, a winner of nearly $10,000 in his relatively small high-stakes career with the FFPC, but he currently sits in 6th place overall in the main event, a contest with a $1.7 million prize pool and a $250,000 grand prize. In this episode, we discuss where the fantasy value lies in the Arizona backfield and the Jacksonville wide receiver core, as well as his fascinating $300 bet in 2016 that got him on the Today Show and ESPN Sports Center. You can follow Russ on Twitter at Russ Axelrod. Also, to kick things off in this podcast, we'll hear from 2016 FFPC main event co-champion Nelson Sousa. The winner of the $250,000 grand prize in the contest, along with his co-manager David Hubbard, Sousa discusses how his high-stakes drafts went in Las Vegas this past weekend, who he targeted this week in waivers, and much more. You can follow Sousa on Twitter at the underscore franchise 12. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass to the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, and it helps support the podcast channel. Now, without further ado, let's check in with the champ, Nelson Sousa. So, Nelson, we are beyond uh, draft season. Drafts took place uh, this past weekend uh, in Las Vegas. How did your high-stakes drafts turn out for you? Were they as expected, or, or did they come out a little bit differently than you, uh, than you had planned on? Uh, well, I wouldn't even say I, I don't usually plan going into drafts of, uh, what I'm going to do. It 
kind of just goes, it's dependent on the uh, flow of each draft. Uh, but yes, yeah, they were pretty much to be what was to be expected. When you look at uh, all the different things that, that happened after the, uh, the Thursday night game that changed the ADP, that shot Kareem Hunt up, that shot Tyreek Hill up, uh, that shot Danny Amendola up to, to a, a certain extent as well. What was the biggest surprise? Was it one of those things, or was there something else that surprised you uh, in your live drafts uh, this past weekend? Um, I, I know the Thursday game has some great influence on the drafts, uh, you know, post-Thursday. So it wasn't too much of a surprise, especially when, you know, Hunt put up a 46-47 point game. Uh, that was to be expected. He was going to be in the first round, um, you know, went first overall in some drafts, you know, second overall. So surprising. I guess it's always a surprise when you, you hear the name Kareem Hunt when all draft season it was David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell. Uh, but, you know, not really, you know, for the game he put up. Tyreek Hill going in the second round, uh, that wasn't too surprising. Um, I think the, probably the biggest surprise that I had was that people were willing to just burn a six-round pick. Uh, I saw this in some drafts. You know, other ones it was m- more reasonable, but uh, I saw Alex Smith going over, you know, Tom Brady um, and, you know, even Aaron Rodgers in some drafts, which I – that's probably the part where I thought it was a little crazy because if you just take the points away – and you really just think about it that, hey, this is Alex Smith, you know, <laughs> it's it's uh, that was a little surprising that people were willing to do that. We have uh, we have the drafts behind us. You guys are in full out waiver wire mode for the next, you know, three plus months, whatever it is. Uh, I know that you and, and David Hubbard, of course, uh, you know, your, your your fellow defending main event FFPC champion, you guys have a a little bit of a different approach uh, for blind bidding. He tends to be a little bit more aggressive early in the going than you. Have you guys talked about what you're doing this year? Is this something that uh, that you're going to continue, that David's actually going to be a little bit more aggressive on the teams that he places the uh, blind bidding on and, and, and you're going to be a little bit more conservative? Or how is it going to shake out, do you think, over these first few weeks? Well, the funniest thing is the, the last few days we've been talking since the uh, Sunday game and uh, – the games on Sunday um, and it, it's like a, a role reversal because I actually am looking at being more aggressive than he is. So a, as we're talking about, you know, some of the players that are available and well, what kind of bids we're looking to put on them. Um, I I've actually been higher than him. So he, it seems like he's taking more of a uh, conservative approach uh, for the first week, whereas I see a couple of guys that I think, uh, you know, are worth owning. So it'll be interesting to see if that's a trend, you know, throughout the season or, uh, and he's t- kind of taken on more of my approach over the last few years and, and I'm looking to be more aggressive, but, or maybe it's just a one week thing. Nelson, I'm curious because this this podcast won't be actually be published by Rotoviz until uh, Thursday morning after after the Fab Wires have run. Uh, I'm curious as to one of the you know you said you, there's a few guys. I'm curious is there one specific guy that that you hope when when you uh, you know check the waiver wire later tonight or early Thursday morning is there one guy that you think is going to be on a lot of your teams? Um, it's pr- I mean it it all depends on 
you know, the, the leagues and when they were drafted, there's some guys available that um, are not available in the later drafts, but I'd probably say that Buck Allen is, is one guy um, looking to be aggressive on him. And uh, Marcus Wheaton is uh, another guy that I'm uh, looking at. Nelson, the I, I, last question, and we'll let you go, but I'm, I'm curious, and this is a, a question that, that I was talking to a few high-stakes players over the last day or two. Um, we're working with an extremely small sample size here with just one week of action behind us, and if you take injuries out of the equation, is there a player out there right now after you saw uh, the games this weekend that, that you actually have some red flags raised uh, for his potential fantasy output for the remainder of the season? Uh, no, not really. I, I, I tend to, um, I, I tend to kind of stay pretty even on those, uh, week one games. Um, I, I don't go into a panic mode or overreact, um, on one performance. Uh, something to, you know, keep in mind is, uh, you know, if you look at all those games, you could have bet the under and made a ton of money this week. Um, in, in those games, there was some ugly offense played uh, this week. And I, I think that has to do with, you know, limited uh, snaps in the preseason, you know, to try to keep these guys healthy. Uh, so I think a lot of offenses came out rusty and the defenses were, uh, you know, ahead of the curve uh, on the offense. So I, I think things should uh, even out a little bit as the next couple of weeks, come along i would say after you know week three if there's a guy kind of underperforming depending on the matchups i mean that's the other thing you know some guys get really good matchups and they look terrific other guys get tougher matchups don't look so great so i'm not ready to raise the red flag on any particular uh player well, we are definitely ready to raise the flag on the 2017 season. I certainly appreciate you joining me today, Nelson. Good luck with uh, the waiver wire. Good luck the rest of the way. We'll, uh, we'll talk again soon. All right. Thank you. Thanks to Nelson Sousa for his input this week. Now here's $10,000 FFPC winner Russ Axelrod giving us the high-stakes lowdown. Russ, when you are not playing uh, high-stakes fantasy football, tell the listeners what you are doing for a living. Uh, I work in the entertainment business, work with a lot of clients like uh, iHeartMedia, Fox Sports, etc. But the, the, one of the main biggest things I do is I produce a show called MVP, uh, partners with a, a first-round pick in many leagues, uh, Rob Gronk, Gronkowski. And it's, uh, it's like Shark Tank, except we've got small businesses and startups pitching athletes to be their spokespeople. And this year, uh, this is our second year, we had a ton of great athletes, including some more first rounders, Melvin Gordon, Jay Ajayi. Um, last year we had Antonio Brown on the show as well. We had Calais Campbell, who had three and a half sacks in the first half. I, I, I say that our uh, show is the reverse of the Madden curse. If you come on, <laughs> if you come on our show, you're going to do well. So we're um, we're excited for season two. It comes out in October. Yeah. So obviously, anybody who's looking for the the big hits, the the uh, the big fantasy players in 2018, they're going to watch that show this fall to find out who they draft. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. So when you talk, I mean, I don't know how much of an of an interaction you get as a producer with these athletes on the show. Do you, I mean, I'm sure people talk to them about fantasy football all the time, but do you ever get your little, you know, any little insight, any little digs that, um, you know, uh, gave you a, a shred of uh, of knowledge for your drafts this year in interacting with Melvin Gordon or Gronk or anybody like that? 
You know, for me, I, I try to keep it um, about the show and professional. I know all these people are talking about football. The biggest thing for me is seeing that they're healthy. So right. we've got a you know a couple of scenes where you know Gronk's got his shirt off and they do things like that. And you know, so and you can just tell in their spirit that they're ready or they're not, right? We had Patrick Peterson on, and like you know, we were just talking about something. He was like, "Dude, I'm in such good shape. You don't have to worry about anything." You know, it's it's just. Hearing that and seeing that and, and to actually, you know, shake their hand, look in their eyes, you, you get a sense of, you know, where they're at. So especially in, in Rob's case, you know, that's that's important. Yeah, definitely big, especially, you know, considering the injury issues he's had over the last couple of years. And the fact, like you said, that he is a first round pick in the FFPC, you know, pretty much everywhere. That That is a big deal. Well, uh, another big deal this week is week one is now behind us. And in the main event. You are in sixth place overall out of 1,440 teams. You sit in sixth. Now, granted, it's only week one. There's a ton of football uh, yet to be played. But this is a special team just to be up there that high right now. After you looked at this team, after you drafted it, tell me what you thought of it uh, when you looked at it after round 20. Um, after round 20, when I was sitting at the table with 101 fever, I didn't make... <laughs> You just got out of there, basically. Yeah, I just got I just got out of there. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, 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 li I live in Las Vegas, so I live uh, literally less than a quarter mile away from from Planet Hollywood, which it was a great event. But if it was any further, I would not have been able to get myself to the uh, the draft. I mean, I, I had the two pick and uh, obviously I, I thought that the person uh, who went one would take Kareem Hunt only because we all know one plays two. And if you don't, you run the risk of, of playing him. It actually opened up an interesting situation for me because now that I knew he didn't have him, um, do I you know, do I take Le'Veon or not? I, I liked Le'Veon more than David Johnson anyway. I was going to take Le'Veon if he took um, Kareem Hunt. So, but for me, the FFPC, it's 11 weeks. You, you know, you got to bank the points. That was no small effort, and it's not like it was completely unexpected. People thought he would be a second-round pick or early third-round pick, and and so he just, you know, he proved that uh, he can play some football. So for me, bank the points um, and then, you know, move on in the draft and, and, and go from there. Yeah, I, and it, 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 we should bring this up, too. The way that the FFPC main event works is even if you draft the weekend before uh, the opening weekend of the NFL, uh, you still have the opportunity to get that free view of that uh, opening Thursday night game. And obviously a lot of things changed. Uh, after that, uh, Kareem Hunt was really the biggest thing, shooting up draft boards. He went um, you know, as high as the first overall pick in many main events. Um, he pretty much didn't fall below, I would say, like three uh, in the majority of leagues after that. But you had an interesting uh, decision there uh, at the two. Now, you were assuming that Hunt was going to go one, um, and then you were going to take Bell over Johnson. Uh, so how much, when, when uh, Team 1 takes Johnson, how much did... How much, dis, um, you know, um, uh, how, how much indecision did you have about, okay, maybe I want to go with Bell, um, but you ended up going with Hunt. Tell us that, yeah, about that thought uh, process. Uh, definitely, you know, it made it difficult for me. First, before any of it happened, I thought the two was the easiest thing in the world because I'll take whoever is going to leave me, you know, before the Kareem Hunt um, gate, if you want to call it, uh, <laughs> you know, up in Foxborough. So, now, you know, there was decisions to be made again. And, and you know, I figured he was going to take Hunt and I was going to have this decision of, of, of Le'Veon or, or, or DJ. Once he took DJ, it was tough because I, I, I felt that Bell is the best player in fantasy. You know, David Johnson's done it one year. 
Bell missed some games last year. He's angry. He's in a contract year. Uh, it was tough, but I, I don't know if it was like 45 points, whatever the number is. It was just too hard to pass up, honestly. I, I, I just felt when a, with an 11-week regular season and knowing that the F, FPC, you also make the playoffs based on total points. Um, it just, it, I didn't want to outsmart myself. And, and I think it's it's important to bring up too, because because obviously everybody wants to make sure they're getting that week one win or at least banking those points in week one. But this is a season long competition, and season long speaking, you are still obviously a big believer in what Kareem Hunt is going to do with the Chiefs this year. Yeah, I mean he. Show, I mean, look, I, I I had never seen him play football until the other night, and he can play football. So, you know, I think Andy Reid. I'm an Eagles fan, so I've seen a lot of Andy Reid in my life. You know, he can make running backs into stars. And it looks like he's got one, right? I mean, he's got no real competition. I don't think Jacandrick West is really going to take many carries away from him. Um, the offense looks great. Alex Smith typically doesn't throw down the field, so he's looking for dump passes and screen passes and, and uh, flares, which is, you know, one of the ones Kareem Hunt caught. And he should have four touchdowns. He got caught because he'd been running so much all night he was tired. So but it was – it was. Uh, I, and you also have to take chances, as you know, in, in a national league like this. So – you know, I'm taking the chance that he's this good for the rest of the year. Well, not this. Oh, I should say half as good for the rest of the year. Right. And I, I will be thrilled. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, one of the things that I'm sure you weren't thrilled about uh, in week one was Allen Robinson tearing his ACL. And he has been uh, since placed on IR by the uh, Jaguars. So you will be out uh, without his services for the remainder of the 2017 season. Uh, so you're going to be working on, you know, replacing him off the waiver wire uh, for your league. But as far as the Jaguars go, Who's the biggest fantasy beneficiary there? Is it Marquise Lee? Is it Alan Hearns? Is it somebody else? Who? I mean, or is it no one? I mean, is it just simply do his targets just get spread out among all the other pass catchers in Jacksonville that there just really isn't value there? How do you view the fantasy value for the Jags passing uh, going forward? I I wouldn't touch anybody on the Jaguars besides him. You know, I I kind of he fell to me, and I was deciding between a few different players, and I'm in seven leagues, and this was my um, sixth draft or something like that, and I didn't have him in any league, and I, I felt Bortles would bounce back. Um, you know, everybody's so all over him, and um, so I took him. I, you know, it stings, but I got to tell you, in seven leagues, I have no David Johnson, and this was the only league I had Allen Robinson in, so I'm, I'm feeling blessed at the moment, and I've got a deep enough bench uh, that it doesn't, it doesn't really bother me that much. I mean, it's annoying. It would be nice to have him. I, I, I guess Marquise Lee... You know, maybe they used um, T.J. Yeldon and stuff like that a little bit more out of the backfield to try to throw. Maybe they try to to, to let Fournette catch the ball more. I don't know. Um, remains to be seen, but I, I'm not racing to pick anybody up on Jacksonville. Well, another receiver, and not to keep you know bringing up bad parts of your team because it is in sixth place overall. Uh, but you you get Danny Amendola, who looked great on Thursday night till he leaves a concussion, and we don't know how much time he's going to miss. Um, but I, I think it's interesting based on that shootout that we saw on Thursday Night Football uh, with the Pats and Chiefs, you get Brandon Cooks early in the draft, you make the decision to add Danny Amendola later. Was 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 the Amendola addition, did that have anything to do with already having Brandon Cooks, or is this just simply I see fantasy value with both of these guys regardless of what happens to them this year? Um, so Cooks was another one. I, I didn't have him in any of my leagues, and he fell pretty far, and you know I thought you know, it was a lot of value where, where I took him. Um, Amendola, I loved all preseason. And when, when Edelman got hurt, I really loved him. Everybody was all on the, and who knows, and maybe proven right, on this Chris Hogan train. 
But uh, I'll, I'll say it's a little bit of reverse racism because they just think plug the white guy in. Chris Hogan doesn't play the slot. Danny Amendola plays the slot. So he really steps into Edelman's role. Um, and we know how, you know how often Brady's firing away. So I wanted Amendola going into the draft. I didn't want Cooks. I didn't, I didn't even consider him. I didn't think he'd be there. Um, and just Amendola had been falling uh, in all these drafts, and I could not understand why. He, he showed on Thursday that he was still going to get that type of performance. I guess the concussion is what uh, made him fall the next day. I mean, but I love him. So it, it, they're sort of separate acts for me, and it's, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with it because, you know, the Patriots are going to throw the ball a ton. Yeah, six for 100 before Amendola left that game. He was obviously doing very, very good against a very good Chiefs defense there. I'm curious, you know, just to, to pivot on this Patriots point, so many, I mean, you look at all the sports books in Las Vegas coming into the season, they had the Patriots as the odds-on favorite to repeat as Super Bowl champs. Everybody's saying this team is even better than it was last year. All the fantasy stars that they, you know, they bring in Brandon Cooks. Uh, obviously, Chris Hogan was ri- ri- uh, rising up draft boards. They have the reigning Super Bowl MVP and James White uh, taking a big step forward. Now we see them come into Thursday Night Football. Really did not look that great after the first quarter. Um, it, it, I mean, are the Patriots that we saw on Thursday, was that just a bad game? Was that just an aberration? Or are they not as good as a lot of us maybe projected them to be this season? Uh, you know, nothing's black and white. I think the Chiefs are a little better than we thought. Or we're, well, I should say we're a little better because losing Eric Berry is huge. Um, so I don't think you'll see that performance from them again. I think losing Edelman so close to the season opener definitely throws them for a, a loop. Um, but I, look, they'll be fine. You know, I uh, <clears throat> I was all in on the Patriots for a few months here. The Edelman thing, I should have let it stop me. Um, I think you may have heard the story last year about the Packers. So and we can get into it if you want, but. Everybody was asking me, well, who am I going to bet this year? Who's the bet to do? And so my bet was more complex than, than others, which was not only did I think that the Patriots could go 19-0, and I ran the math and saw kind of what odds you would get if they averaged about minus 300 on the money line. I was going to bet a parlay every week, Patriots money line against who's ever playing the Jets and hope to go 19-0 and 16 and roll the parlay every week. And that ended very quickly on <laughs> On Thursday night, um, I still think the Jets, you know, the Jets might not win a game, um, and I, I bet uh, on the under for total wins for them a lot of money. But I, um, I, I was shocked. I, I thought the Patriots were going to roll them, and uh, you know, credit to the Chiefs. Andy Reid is always great off a bye. Again, I, I just knowing him, and you know, the off season is the longest bye you have. So I guess he just had them ready to go. Easy parking with Easy Trip now available at Dundrum Town Centre. So you can now use your toll tags to park in our car parks. Simply register at easytrip.ie forward slash parking. Easy parking with Easy Trip. Dundrum, where more happens. I was going to bring that up later on in our conversation, but let's talk about what happened last year with the Packers. Tell the story of what you did and a couple of buddies did last year, because I thought it was more fascinating. Honestly, it got much more interesting as the season got deeper, but tell the listeners about that. Yeah, uh, well, the story actually it starts two years ago. Uh, I live in Vegas, and I have been um, you know, grew up in Queens. I've been, been betting since way before allowed to bet, you know, probably <laughs> eight, nine years old. 
And um, in general, my friends at the Aria don't like me saying this, but Super Bowl futures are the worst bets you can make in the casino because you can't see the odds and you can't see what they're taking out and all that stuff. And they figure if you're going to walk up to the window to bet the Cowboys and they're 50 to one or they're 30 to one, you're still going to make the bet. So it's just a bad bet in general. But anyway, so when Romo came back Thanksgiving two years ago, they pretty much needed to win out to make the playoffs. And obviously, if you make the playoffs, you have to win out to win the Super Bowl. It's a very rare situation where a team would have to win every game. And I looked at the odds and the Cowboys were 40 to one. And I did the math and it would have been something like, you know, probably 275 to one if they did it. So I went and bet uh, $2,200 and my other friends bet $100 each. So we had $2,500. I think the second play of the game, Romo threw a pick six and then he rebroke his collarbone. Worst bet I've ever made probably ever. So if, uh, fast forward the next year, uh, you know, we've been talking about it. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers came out and said, I'm going to run the table. I, I sent it to my friends and said, hey, who are we to question Aaron Rodgers? Two of them, you know, were like, no way. That was a terrible bet last year. Uh, my one friend said, yes, I'll do it. And I, because I was so gun shy of what had happened the year before, and they were playing the Eagles that week, and I'm an Eagles fan, I only bet 200 So we, we started with $300. And um, as you know, they did run the table to get into the playoffs. And Ended up, uh, you know, beating the Giants and the Falcons would have been the ninth game. Oh, they beat the Cowboys as well on the, on that uh, last second field goal. And the the Falcons game, um, I think we know how that ended. If I hear from one more person ever, but the Packers get the ball in the second half, I'm gonna kill them because, I mean, there was just no stopping them. It was like the Packers; they were down to their sixth defensive back. It, it was just a it was a very tough matchup, and um, but we let it ride, you know. And the 300 had become 27,000 or 28,000, and we <laughs> we were looking at uh, 85 if the Packers had beat the Falcons, and uh, against the Patriots, the 85 would have probably been about 200. And everyone's like, "Well, how could you not take the money off the table?" And you know, we first of all, we only put in 300 bucks, and if you had done that on a futures bet, you wouldn't be able to take them. I mean, you could hedge or something like that, but. We were going for the story. I, mean, I don't know if people are familiar with the movie Let It Ride, which is a horse racing movie, but I mean, it's it's the stuff of legends. And and my friend and I have been gambling forever. Like, you know, as they say in Let It Ride, I'm going to tell my grandkids about you. You know, we we would have loved to have been that story. It did not um, it did not work out well, but uh, it was fun. And you know, we were on Sports Center for five minutes, and we had a full page article in the New York Post. And they didn't even make the Super Bowl. That's the crazy part. If they had made the Super Bowl, I think, you know, we would have been on the Today Show and, and all these other things. And, um, you know, we, we tried to use it the moment to raise a lot of money for charity and things like that. So, it, um, you know, we, we love the exposure. I wish we had taken it further because we could have raised a lot of money. But uh, it was fun. It was fun. And, and, I, and I told the people at the Aria, you're welcome, because I have, I have motivated people to make the stupidest and craziest bets in the world and never take their money off the table. So... You know, the sports book likes people like that. Well, that's, so that's fantastic. That's uh, such a great story too. Like, yeah, and if that, I mean, honestly, if Packers would end up winning the Super Bowl, uh, you probably have been uh, hosting, the, or you would have had the option to host the Today Show or Sports Center, however often you wanted to do it at that point. Uh, <laughs> yes. With all, the, with all the love that you got for them getting into the championship game, uh, let's get back to fantasy football because the draft season is now behind us. We're here, Russ. We we are in waiver wire season. Uh, how aggressive are you usually going to be spending uh, those free agent bidding dollars these first few weeks of the season when, um, you know, we're working with a small sample size, uh, but if you hit on the right guys uh, these first few weeks, it's like getting a, an extra draft pick because you'll be able to use them almost the entire season. 
I've been burned too many times. Uh, I, you're, it's too small of a sample size. The defenses aren't ready yet. They're not in shape. Um, you know, plays get busted and broken. I, for me, I'd rather have a lot of money towards the middle of the season where there's lots of guys where you know you can get them because everybody else has $200 left or $170 left and you can outbid pretty much everybody to get the guy that, that comes out of nowhere. For me, <clears throat> I'd rather wait. I mean, obviously, if I, if I have a team in a really bad situation and I need somebody, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll jump at them. But um, me, I usually kind of almost sit the first week out, you know, just a couple of maintenance pickups here or there. And that's interesting, too, because I think that if you like a lot of advice services out there, a lot of advice sites will say, you know, be aggressive, you know, make sure you're getting these guys right away. Now, if that's the case again this year where they're telling everybody to be aggressive and people are listening to that and people are putting that into practice, who are some of the players that you expect to be overbid on this first week that people yeah. are going to, you know, three, four weeks down the road, be like, what was I doing spending $600 on this guy? Who are some of those players that are going to be one in free agency this week? Yeah, and by the way, for the record, I, I was aggressive because I used my two pick on, on Kareem Hunt. So. That doesn't get more aggressive than that, for sure. <laughs> yeah, so I already fell for it if I'm if I fell for something. I think um, I think you know people are obviously going to go big on the Cardinals' backfield. I I honestly think it's a mistake. I don't think we've seen who they're going to pick yet, and I don't know that they may not trade for somebody um, or lure somebody else out of free agency, you know, retirement or something. I don't know that it's going to be one of these three guys that's ultimately the running back. So that, for me, I would stay away from that. I think I think Buck Allen, though, is, you know, a pretty solid pickup. He's proven, you know, he catches the ball out of the backfield. I, I think I read today Woodhead's out six weeks. So, um, you know, if I was going to go after somebody, I, I guess him. Uh, and, you know, the, the receivers, I think, you know, if people didn't draft Galladay, though, most people did in our leagues because they're, they're 20 rounds. Uh, they're going to go after Fowler after last night. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll we'll see where they fall. But I, to me, you know, I know people are going to spend half their stuff, half their money on Kerwin Williams. Um, that seems dicey, and I, I can't imagine Tariq Cohen is available in any drafts. But he seems worth it because the you know losing Kevin White, the Bears need weapons. Uh, he's uh, you know in the FFPC where people are too sharp coming in. I, I doubt he's available anywhere. Yeah, he. I would say Cohen is probably available uh, in, in. Well, I'll put it put this way. I think Buck Allen's probably available in a few more leagues than Tariq Cohen. But I, I'm with you. I think Buck Allen, especially with with you know the the advent and and the you know zero RB really hitting its um hitting its stride last year. And I think a, a you know a few less people did it this year. But when you have so many people doing zero RB, then that those are the the running backs that are on the waiver wire. Those are the ones that everybody pounds and. I think while, you know, 500 for Kerwin Williams seems aggressive, I bet there's David Johnson owners out there that are going to have the line of thinking like, look, this is my first overall pick. I am, I, I can't compete unless I have uh, a piece of this backfield. They might even be going to like seven, 800 uh, for Kerwin Williams, well, maybe they, 900. Well, they, they, they should have put a 20th round pick on him. Right? And I'm totally That's, with you on that. And yeah. I don't think people did because I think, at least this is this is how I looked at it. Now, in my deeper leagues, I have I probably have two or three shares of David Johnson. I, I don't own him in, in a lot of spots. I, I probably own Kerwin Williams in two of those spots, but then there is another league where I didn't even bother taking Kerwin Williams because I, I, did, I knew that the backfield, you know, the, the hand, it wasn't a settled handcuff, and I, didn't, I don't think any of those guys are all that talented either, and I, that violates <coughs> two of my rules. You know, you got to be talented, and there's got there has to be some sort of clarity on who the guy is stepping in is. And I don't think you – I think I'm with you on this. I don't think you have the clarity of we know 
who the guy is. It, maybe it's somebody that's not on the roster yet. And I don't think I mean, they, they could get talented. They, they could go get Frank Gore, right? I mean, what are the Colts going to do with Frank Gore? I, they're not going to win. You know, things like that. I, 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 I could see them trying to swing some sort of trade because in the Cardinals' case, their window is closing. You know, Palmer has got a year left or, you know, man, Fitzgerald. So they need a running back. It might be worth them doing it. And so if they go out and get anybody like that, these guys are all back to the bench. Or so, cut, right? Someone like Chris Johnson, they'll just recut him. Right, exactly. Um, I'm curious if, uh, and I don't know how many leagues you own David Johnson in, but uh, if somebody were to come up to you and say, hey, Russ, uh, I own David Johnson in this league, what should I do with him? Should I cut him? Should I hang on to him? What, what's, the proper, what's the proper procedure on what to do with David Johnson in drafts right now? I would try to hang on to him, but you know, you 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 need to either deep bench or you just you need to be good and and not have you know other wasted spots. It's it's hard to have a lot of dead spots, um, and I know some leagues now have these IR things, which I'm not a fan of. But I um I, I would hold on to him. It's I mean it's the same thing when people thought Zeke was going to be out six games, you know, and no, oh, but if I make the playoffs, look, you're you're, you're probably not going to make the playoffs anyway if you lost David Johnson. If you and I don't know that you're to pick up that whoever you would put in that spot is the thing that's going to get you there. But if your team's good enough and he somehow comes back, you're going to want him. And by the way, if you don't have him, the, all the money I saved in the free in the free agent waiver money, I'll use to get him when when he comes back. Right. So. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, who would you rather have at this point right now? If, if you could if you had the opportunity to roster, um, if you had one spot and you had to decide between cutting David Johnson and picking up Terry Cohen or picking up Buck Allen. Would you do either of those moves? <clears throat> Terry Cohen, I would probably pick up. Um, you know, he's he, from, again, I had not seen him play football before. Uh, he's pretty fast. So I don't think he's going anywhere in terms of like a, a, a one game wonder there. Um, you got Jordan Howard dropping gift touchdowns. Uh, I, and again, with Kevin White out and this offense trying to figure, figure out what they want to do. Uh, that I, I, might, I might do. Um, if I needed the spot, I would try to drop my backup quarterback or some other thing, though, before dropping David Johnson. Right. Worst case scenario, uh, we're talking here. And honestly, yeah. like, again, I, I said this before, I think Buck Allen and Tariq Cohen are owned in most leagues. But you may want to just check your league to make sure that they're not available um, and, and then uh, try to acquire them. If they're available, perfect replacement or about as perfect of a replacement as you're going to find off the waiver wire for David Johnson right now. Uh, it is very early uh, in the year here, Russ. So, you know, without making like an over, uh, um, like an overreactionary pick here, but a player who maybe didn't get hurt week one, but a player that really underperformed that has you nervous uh, about what he is going to be able to do this season, and then a guy that uh, you'll actually be targeting uh, on the waiver wire this week. Um, you know, I didn't really. Um... Again, I would give myself some credit going 7-0. and I didn't notice that many players of mine that were not playing well, although obviously a lot of uh, players around the league were. You know, I have Drew Brees in a the league. They don't fix that offensive line. I mean, it's not going to work for the Saints. And I have Michael Thomas in a league. Um, same issue. Like They could not uh, protect him at all. And... Uh, that's concerning. You know, they lose Cooks. Obviously, they get Snead back. I targeted Snead in a lot of leagues, and, you know, I'm anxious for him to come back, and maybe maybe he's that good, and that's the missing piece there. But I think the offensive line looked look bad enough that Ingram, Peterson, Breeze, all these guys are in trouble, uh, and Kamara is really the best option you've got because of the dumb passes, right, him and Fleener. 
Um, but I would be nervous with anyone on the Saints. Yeah, they did. They did not look good uh, week one for sure. Uh, really got dominated by that Vikings defense. What you know, and you you said earlier um, how you're not going to be extraordinarily aggressive uh, on the waiver wire. You know, these guys that are that are out there. You know, Kerwin Williams and, and Fowler and all these guys who are going to be picked up. You probably won't be getting them. Is there any player? Is there a matchup in week two you like? Is there somebody out there that you're going to try to sneak in? Uh, off the waiver wire, or is there is there just nobody, because, again, small sample size, nobody standing out yet for you? Um, nobody's stand, standing out, and honestly, I'm still sick, so I haven't, I haven't spent much time looking at uh, uh, the Week 2 matchups yet. Yeah, you need to uh, to rest up and and uh, and get ready for the uh, FFPC waiver run. Maybe not tomorrow, but Friday you can uh, you can sneak some guys in uh, on yes. that waiver run. Russ, exactly. listen, I, you 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 did this. You played hurt tonight. I certainly appreciate it. There is no doubting you uh, gutting this out. I I really uh, value the time that uh, that you took uh, to to sit and talk fantasy with me here tonight. For the people who want to check out MVP, which uh, has its season two premiere coming up, when and where can they watch it? Sure. So uh, it's with Verizon. Verizon has an app called Go90. It's available to any wireless carrier, AT&T, Sprint, T-Mobile, doesn't matter. It's like Essentially, it's like a Hulu, but it's called Go90, and it's from Verizon. And it'll be on there as well as Yahoo and AOL, which they also own. But if you search MVP Go90 um, today, you'll be able to watch season one where, again, we had Gronk and Kevin Durant, Antonio Brown, T.O., Marshall Falk. Uh, you know, tons of great guys that we all have won a lot of games with um, over the years. So you'll appreciate how they, you know, try to pick the partners that, that they do deals with. And uh, I hope you guys will like the show. Yeah, awesome stuff. We definitely will check that out. And uh, again, really appreciate it, Russ. We will talk to you again soon. Good luck staying in the top 10 of the FFPC, man. Thanks, man. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. And thanks to Grapes for our theme music. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz radio feed. It helps us find new listeners. Contact us via email rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think. And follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage rotoviz.com slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 829 to 9-2. Excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. 
legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history, relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.